You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. This episode is brought to you by the Complete Concussion Management Clinical Network. Are you suffering from a concussion? Concussion symptoms that just aren't getting better? Maybe you're in the wrong place. Maybe you're seeing the wrong healthcare professional. Visit completeconcussions.com slash find dash a dash clinic to find all of the local professionally trained concussion clinicians in your area. Each of our partnered clinics have gone through extensive training on concussion assessment, diagnosis, treatment, and rehabilitation, and will be able to quickly determine the root cause of your symptoms and work with you to develop a plan to get rid of them. If you don't know what's driving your symptoms, you can't ever hope to relieve them. Completeconcussions.com slash find a clinic. They have a 98% patient satisfaction rating and the net promoter score as judged by real patients is higher than Amazon, Netflix, and Apple. Completeconcussions.com slash find dash a dash clinic. You won't regret it. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ask Concussion Doc episode number 83. This episode is called the top 10 most common misconceptions about concussion. Welcome to the show. My name is Dr. Cameron Marshall. Uh, Like I said, today's episode is on misconceptions. The amount of garbage BS crap that is out there uh, sometimes just needs a good slap to send it right back to where it belongs in the garbage. In the words of Jack Armstrong, Toronto Raptors TV host and friend of the show, get that garbage out of here. I've been sick for the past few days, so if I do start coughing uh, at some point during the show, I do apologize. Like I said, today's episode designed to dispel and challenge some of the myths around concussion. So I put together a list of the top 10 most common misconceptions that if people only knew, we would be in a much better place. Um, So a word of advice to all of you, do not fall into these traps. Make sure you get your advice from a reliable source, a trusted source, somebody that uses scientific research to drive their recommendations. Um, something that worked for your cousin's uncle's brother's daughter. I don't even know how, what that means now. Um, doesn't mean that it's something that you should do, right? So stick with the scientific evidence and you'll be much better off. Um, you know, be like Warren Buffett, right? Warren Buffett buys stocks based on the fundamentals, not based on the hype. So choose your path based on the fundamentals and not based on the hype. Without further ado, let's get into the list of misconceptions. Like I said, there are 10 of them. Conception number one, misconception number one, concussions happen from hits to the head. No. What? Yeah. Concussion is actually the result of the brain undergoing a tremendous amount of acceleration or deceleration. You can get a concussion without getting hit in the head, provided that enough force still goes to the head to cause acceleration of the brain. Let me try to reiterate that in a different way. 
If you get hit in the body and your head whips back and forth, the brain moving inside the skull can still cause a concussion. So if you didn't get hit in the head and you still have the symptoms of concussion, you may still have a concussion. Concussion symptoms are very nonspecific, so you could have something else, like a whiplash injury or something else. And just because you do get hit in the head doesn't mean that you have a concussion because you have to have a tremendous amount of force that hits the head. So it goes both ways. Hits to the head don't necessarily cause concussions. Acceleration of the brain causes concussions. Obviously, the easiest way to have acceleration of the brain is to hit, be to hit directly in the head, but that doesn't necessarily always have to be the case. Misconception number two. Concussion is a bruise of the brain. Now, this is one that if you Google concussion, you'll still see the concussion picture and there'll be a picture of the brain hitting the inside of the skull and creating a bruise on the brain. This is the old idea behind concussion where it was called a coup contra coup injury. The newer theory around concussion is actually an injury to the deeper part of the brain called the white matter. So the outer part of the brain is called the gray matter. The inner part of the brain is called the white matter. And the inner part of the brain contains all the axons that are connected to your neurons. So these are the long pathways or tracks that are your brain cells. And we used to think it was the brain hitting the skull and bouncing back and you know hitting, kind of bruising the outer part. But now what we realize is that when the brain undergoes that acceleration, you create these fluid waves in the brain which actually stretches on these axons and that's where the injury occurs, deeper down in the brain. You can still get bruising with concussion, but this is called a cerebral contusion and this is usually involved in more significant injuries. Okay? So that is misconception number two. Misconception number three, you can see or diagnose a concussion on MRI or CT scans. No, I still get patients that come into my clinic that say, yeah, I went to the emergency department, doctor gave me a uh, CT scan of my head and told me that I didn't have a concussion. Well, either your doctor didn't know what they were talking about or you misunderstood the conversation because a CT scan or an MRI detects and looks at the structure of the brain. Concussion is an injury that's called a functional injury. So it changes how the brain functions, but it doesn't change how the brain looks or appears. So when somebody does a CT scan or MRI, they're usually looking for something more significant than a concussion, like a bleed, like a fracture in the bone of the skull, or like actual damage to the brain where you can see the visual damage. Okay, in a concussion injury, none of that stuff has occurred, so it's absent. About 95% of concussion cases aren't gonna have any type of finding on any type of imaging. So it's a very low percentage of concussions that will have any type of findings on imaging. The purpose of the imaging, like I said, is not to see the concussion injury, but it is to rule out something more significant than the concussion injury, okay? Number four, common misconceptions. If you have a concussion, you're supposed to rest. This one is brutal because it's still propagated and we've known for a number of years now that rest can actually be detrimental 
to your recovery if done in a prolonged way. So the current recommendation is to have, it used to be to have absolute rest, brain rest. Don't look at a screen, don't read a book, don't watch TV, don't go outside, sit in complete darkness in your room for days on end until your symptoms go away and then you can emerge and start to try a little bit of activity. Well, like I said, we're finding that this actually makes people worse. The current recommendation from the most recent international consensus guidelines, which is actually now almost four years ago, um, they'll be redoing that in November. But the current recommendation from that guideline is symptom limited activity within the first 24 to 48 hours. So if you get a concussion, it's no longer sit in a dark room and do nothing. Actually, now the recommendation is to be uh, up and mobile, take it easy, and don't do anything that provokes your symptoms to a significant degree, but don't just lie around and do nothing. You can read, you can do household chores, you should be doing light exercise. Um, you should be keeping yourself somewhat active and not just doing nothing. But the trigger here and the key is, you can do anything that doesn't provoke your symptoms to a significant degree. Right? If you're sitting there with a headache and you start reading something and your headache just stays at the current level that it's at, that is not a big deal. You would just keep doing that. So you're not looking anymore for absolute clearance of symptoms before you do anything. You should be engaging in some level of activity uh, even the next day. Rest, like I said, is garbage. It's not based off any scientific evidence. And here are some studies to just kind of prove this point. So Johnson and colleagues in 2016, and here's a quote from their study, there is limited, limited evidence to support the effectiveness of rest as a treatment strategy. Thomas and colleagues in 2015, they did a study where pediatric patients who were told, uh, who were randomized to have five days of strict rest actually did worse than patients who were randomized to only have two days of strict rest and then were pushed back into activity. So the longer rest was detrimental to recovery. Moore and colleagues in 2015, adolescents who did not listen to their physician's advice to rest, right? Doctors were telling their patients to rest. The kids that listened to their doctors did worse than the patients who did not listen to their doctors. I'm not advocating for not listening to your doctor, but if your doctor's telling you to rest and sit in darkness, your doctor hasn't read anything on concussion in the past 10 years. So do not listen to that advice. Silverberg and colleagues in 2019, advice to rest for more than two days after concussion is associated with delayed return to productivity. This study supports, this is a quote, this study supports the growing evidence that prolonged rest after concussion is generally unhelpful. Along that same vein, the new research coming out is actually supporting exercise. Researchers from the University of Buffalo have been studying the effects of exercise on patients with persistent concussion symptoms. So for the most part, symptoms are gonna go, go away in a concussion patient in the first seven to 10 days. After that, we start to look at this as if it's a persistent concussion symptom. So research from the University of Buffalo has been looking at patients with persistent concussion symptoms doing exercise and finding that exercise is generally a helpful treatment strategy for these patients. Over the years, we've actually started saying, well, what if we could actually do exercise earlier and maybe prevent the long-term symptoms of concussion? Maybe prevent some of these people from going on to having these chronic symptoms and what we found is that's actually the case. 
early exercise now seems to potentially be protective for concussion, meaning that it helps you get better faster. It gets you back into your life faster, gets rid of your symptoms faster. Uh, so here's some studies. Uh, recently, there was a randomized controlled trial that found that a group that was doing subsymptom threshold exercise following a treadmill test, which was delivered at day four after their injury, did better than a group that was given um, just placebo stretching. <coughs> um, Anne Gruel in 2016 did a study on adolescents, a large study on adolescents, and found that those adolescents who engaged in physical activity within the first seven days of their concussion did better than those who didn't engage in physical activity within the first week after their injury. And Dave Lawrence from the University of Toronto uh, did a study using a survival analysis, and what he found was that for each successive day in the delay to the initiation of aerobic exercise, individuals had a less favorable recovery trajectory. What they found was that if people started exercising at day one, they actually did better than people who started exercising at day two. And the people that exercised at day two did better than those that started at day three. So every day you delayed to initiate the onset of exercise actually created a longer recovery outcome. Now, I will say that there was a recent study that found that doing moderate to vigorous exercise in the first couple days after injury actually prolonged the outcome. So the trick here is don't rest and do nothing because that will prolong your outcome, but don't do too much because that may also prolong your outcome. So what you want to do is find that balance. Light physical activity, so go for a walk every day. Go for a half hour to 45 minute walk in your neighborhood. Do household chores. Read. Keep cognitively active. Do things around the house. You know, you can take a day or two off work, but stay mobile, stay active because laying around doing nothing could actually make your condition worse. So that's the balance to take. Misconception number five. You are okay to return to your sport once you no longer have symptoms. No. Symptoms or a lack of symptoms doesn't have anything to do with recovery of the brain. The example I always use is the fracture example. So if I break my arm, it hurts really, really bad. I go to the doctor, they do an x-ray. They can see that the bone is broken. So they can visualize it. Concussion, you can't visualize it, right? But the same thing is there, the symptoms are there. The symptoms are there, my arm hurts. Put a cast on my arm to help the bone heal. Now after about a week to 10 days or so, the pain from that fracture actually is gone, right? It doesn't hurt anymore, but that doesn't mean that the bone underneath that has sufficiently healed, right? But with concussion, for some reason, we take this mentality that once it no longer hurts or once you no longer feel off, that means your brain is recovered. That's not the same thing, or that is the same thing almost as a fracture, where I can't just cut my cast off and go play just because the pain is gone. We need to make sure the bone has sufficiently healed. Same thing with concussion. Just because the pain is gone, just because the symptoms are gone, doesn't mean that my brain is healed, doesn't mean that I can just go back into my sport. Now, after concussion recovery, most, like I said, most symptoms are going to go away in that first seven to 10 days. Recovery of the brain can take four to six times longer than that. So that means when your symptoms go away, you still may have a long road ahead of you before you're actually ready to return to your sport. Why is this important? Well, 
Concussion creates this energy deficit. So after a concussion injury, you're gonna get stretching of those brain cells, like I said. That stretching is gonna cause them to be stimulated, and that stimulation is gonna cause them to fire. And all of that firing of all of those brain cells is gonna give you those initial symptoms. Your dizziness, your headaches, your blurred vision, the ringing in your ears, all of those initial symptoms immediately after impact, the confusion, the balance, all of that stuff that happens immediately, that's all from that initial firing. Well, all of that firing burns a lot of energy. So now your energy stores drop, 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 which is why you then feel fatigued and foggy and all of these other issues. If you get hit and that energy level is still low, you're gonna drop even further, potentially to the point where the injury can compound and become either permanent damage or can actually become fatal. And that's what's called second impact syndrome. So you have an injury, your energy's dropped. Your energy gradually restores over the next few weeks but the symptoms will go away after a week to 10 days in most patients. But if, you, if your symptoms go away down here and your energy is building back up but you haven't hit all the way up yet and you get hit again, there's some evidence to suggest that the brain is more vulnerable to additional trauma. So if you get hit again, smaller impacts can cause additional concussions and those secondary concussions can cause an additive or cumulative effect potentially leading to fatal or long-term or permanent outcomes. So when you look at, and I'm gonna talk a little bit about CT, but when you look at professional athletes who are getting concussed week after week after week, playing football or hockey or any other sport, and then ending up with long-term repercussions, that may be a reflection of inadequate recovery versus the number of concussions that they had, right? They might be getting concussed and dropping their energy stores lower and lower and lower with each time, which is creating then permanent damage and potentially in younger people, potentially fatal consequences. So symptoms are not what we should be looking for, right? Most protocols say, you know, don't come back to play your sport until your symptoms are gone. Well, as I mentioned, concussion is a functional injury. <clears throat> so we shouldn't be looking at symptoms. We should be looking at function, right? And this is where you get into the whole idea behind you know, baseline testing. Baseline testing is doing a series of functional tests, cognitive tests, before the season starts. Now, this has been historically pitched as a way to diagnose your concussion. You do not need a baseline to diagnose a concussion. Concussion can be diagnosed based on symptoms and mechanism of injury. It's a clinical diagnosis. You don't need a baseline to make that diagnosis in the majority of cases. Sometimes when there's a gray area, you're not sure, baseline can be helpful but for the most part, you don't need it. When a baseline becomes helpful is after the symptoms have gone away and you think that you're better, right? Symptoms are gone, I'm fine, right? Arm no longer hurts. That means I'm gonna go back, I'm gonna cut my cast, I'm gonna go play. No, I'm gonna go back to the doctor. Doctor's gonna take another x-ray, look at it and say, you know, I know it feels better, but it's still not sufficiently healed yet. So we're gonna keep you out another week. Let's check it out next week, see how you're doing. This is the same thing, but because we can't see the brain or can't see the concussion on an MRI or CT, the best way to do this is to use function. Let's check your balance, your reaction time, your memory, your concentration, your ocular motor speed, your, your, your cognitive abilities, okay, all of these things. And that will give us an idea of whether or not you're better. Now the only way to do this is to compare it to results that you have from when you were healthy. So the purpose of a baseline is to do this every single year as you go through your development and have some idea of your functional capacity so that in the event you get a concussion, 
Now we know, okay, your symptoms are gone, that's great, that's step one. Let's see how your function is, okay? Your reaction time is still slow, your memory is still off, and your ocular motor processing speed is still, still a bit slow. Let's keep you out another week, see how you do. Come back in a week, we retest, right? So the idea is not to rely on symptoms to make your decisions for returning back to sport, but it's to rely on your function. So don't go based on your symptoms. Just because you feel better doesn't mean you are better, and we should be doing this type of really good comprehensive functional testing each year to help us make better decisions. Number six, misconception number six. You can treat a concussion with medications or other passive modalities. The evidence suggests that, or the evidence is insufficient, I should say, for the use of medication in concussion recovery. There are no pills that can help to heal a concussion, right? Medication is often deployed as a symptom um, band-aid, if you will, right? You have pain, here's a painkiller, right? Have we got to the mechanism of what's actually causing that pain? No, but you'll feel better temporarily while you take this. And that's kind of the kind of the issue, right? We can mask some certain things, but oftentimes medications will have side effects that can come with them, like dizziness, like fatigue, like fogginess, like trouble concentrating, trouble sleeping, drowsiness, which are all symptoms of concussion. Then we create a cloudy picture because we're giving a medication for one thing, which is actually affecting a whole bunch of other things. Now, are those things because of concussion or are those things a side effect of medication? It becomes very difficult to tell. So medication can be helpful at reducing some symptoms, but it may create other ones. So just be aware of that, right? My approach is typically to go after the underlying issues before resorting to that. This brings me to the other idea, not medication, but other types of passive treatment modalities. Most of you out there, I shouldn't say most of you, but many of you out there are looking for someone to just fix you and something that you don't have to do any work for, right? I wanna go lie in a hyperbaric chamber and let that you know, fix me. That's not how this works. The amount of times that people write to us asking um, if hyperbaric oxygen is good or if laser therapy is good or if any of these electropulse magnetic therapy you know, things are any good, there is no evidence to suggest that they're good. Actually, hyperbaric oxygen, for example, and I've said this so many times on this show before, actually has a lot of evidence to suggest that it's not helpful for concussion is no better than sham or placebo, right? Obviously, as more research comes out, maybe this stuff changes. Maybe these recommendations changes. But as of right now, none of these passive modalities have any evidence to support their being effective. This brings me to point number seven. Do you want to know what is effective? Misconception number seven. There is no treatment for concussion. This is wrong. The effective treatments for concussion have been found to be rehabilitation, visual, ocular motor, exercise, treatment of the neck, um, not just passive treatment of the neck, but also active treatment of the neck and rehabilitation and movement patterns and cervical joint reposition error testing and all of these different things, uh, diet, 
cognitive behavioral therapy. There's a number of different treatments for concussion and oftentimes they're done simultaneously, comprehensively because there's a lot of different pieces that all kind of come together. If you do one, like say, if you're thinking, well, I did vision therapy and that didn't help. And then I went over and did vestibular therapy and that didn't help. Well, the reason is probably because you did them as independence. What needs to be done is you have to kind of do this as a comprehensive piece because what's happening in the visual system here may need a little bit of vestibular work to help coordinate it. Similarly, there may be some neck issues that are impeding your vision therapy. So if you're getting all this vision therapy and it's not helping, something's being missed. There may be a vestibular component or a cervical spine component that's being missed or even a psychological component that's not being dealt with that is affecting the outcomes of your treatment. So there is treatment for concussion, but it's all basically rehab based. You have to do the work. You can't sit there and get somebody to electromagnetic pulse your brain back into you know reality and make it work again. It's just not how it works. You have to do the work to make it go, right? How did you learn to walk? It wasn't by watching other people walk. It wasn't by electromagnetic pulse stimulation. It was by walking, making mistakes, falling down, getting back up, learning how to navigate your environment. This is the same thing with concussion. How are you gonna learn to drive again? How are you gonna learn to navigate your environment again? You're gonna have to go and do the work. You're not gonna get better with a passive treatment modality. You have to put in the work. So stop looking for the ozone therapy, laser therapy bullshit out there. Just start finding concussion rehab centers that are qualified and trained and let's start doing the actual work. Now, I will say that the only somewhat passive modality that may have some early evidence to support it is something like a hormone replacement therapy. If, you, if there were some hormone imbalances that were off, that is something that would classify technically as a pill or a passive modality that may have some benefit. But other than that, you're gonna have to do the work. Misconception number eight, having an increase in your symptoms is bad and should be avoided. No you need to get this idea or thought out of your head right away. All of my patients are concerned about having a setback or you know, having their symptoms get worse, right? The symptoms will get worse temporarily, but that's kind of the point, right? Symptom provocation generally indicates that you are challenging your system. If you don't challenge your system, you don't grow. Your body adapts to the stress you put on it. As you try new things and do new things, you learn new skills. You don't learn new skills by avoiding those particular things. This goes for everything in life. You wanna get better at reading, you better read. You wanna get better at exercise, you better exercise. You wanna get better at math, you better do math problems. This is the same thing when it comes to anything, okay? Learning a new skill is hard, but once you start doing it more and more, you get better at it. Um, getting in shape is hard, but you know, you're sore, you can't breathe, you're out of breath, but as you get in more shape, it becomes easier and you get stronger and you start pushing yourself harder and that becomes harder and then you push beyond that and then that's easy. What you used to do and think was hard now is so simple and this is the same thing for concussion recovery. Concussion recovery requires rehabilitation and much of the rehab that is out there is finding that balance between what's too much and what's not enough. Right? We have to push you and you have to feel symptomatic. If you're doing something and it's not provoking your symptoms, you're not doing it hard enough or you're doing something that you don't need to do. The idea is that 
a lot for concussion rehab is, oh, does this increase your symptoms? Yeah, go do more of that. Get your symptoms to go up and then take a break. Let the symptoms come down, do it again. Try to do it for longer this time. Wait till your symptoms get to a certain threshold. Usually we say, wait till your dizziness or your headaches or whatever get to a five out of 10, then kick back on it, let that come down and do it again. That is concussion rehab. So if you spend your life avoiding symptoms or anything that may provoke your symptoms, right? I don't like crowds because it makes me dizzy. You know what I'm gonna tell you? Go hang out in crowds. That's the treatment for concussion. So having an increase in your symptoms is not bad. It's actually good and it tells you exactly what you should be doing. Now obviously this is within reason, right? If somebody has a hamstring strain, I'm not gonna overload their hamstring to the point where it tears again, but I'm gonna overload it a little bit to create a better healing process and that's the same thing. We need to know and find out where that line is and push you into that. But you have to be comfortable being a little bit uncomfortable and you have to rest assured that any increase in your symptoms is going to be temporary. The thing that makes it prolonged is likely the anxiety that goes along with it. Okay, so once you can get out of your mind that you're not doing any damage to yourself by pushing a little bit, you might be more likely to take that leap and that is what I'm trying to get across here. So you need to have symptom provocation to be having any effect on your recovery and you need to keep doing that because what happens is the line of symptom provocation gets pushed further and further and further away so that now it takes longer to hit that symptom onset. Till pretty soon, you can push yourself to the max and you don't get symptoms. That's the idea, right? If I wanna run a marathon, I can't start by running the marathon. I start in small chunks and I gradually build up as I'm able to tolerate it and eventually I can run the marathon. And this is the mindset that you have to have in order to get better. Number nine, misconception number nine, concussions cause long-term brain damage. No, well, at least we can't say that because we don't have enough evidence yet to make that claim. This is all speculation and many people will see this all over the news and you know believe that it is a real thing, right? But you have to remember that a lot of stuff that gets pushed on the news is designed to sell ad space. It's designed to get people to watch the story. Well, if you create an enemy, which has been football and professional sports, suggesting that they're somehow withholding information or not giving the full story, um, that creates a lot, of, a lot of people interested in that bigger story. The fact of the matter is we have no idea what is causing CTE or if CTE is actually even um, something that causes any symptoms in life, right? All we have are brains that have this tau protein in them. What does that tau protein do to the brain's function while the person is living? We actually don't even know. Was it concussions that put the tau there? Well, we don't know that either. There's 20 different types of conditions that can put tau in a brain. Some of the things that can put tau in a brain are Opioid use, right? So pain-killing medication. Well, a lot of you know former NFL players admit to using a lot of opioids when they played football. Could that be the cause? Possibly, right? So there's a lot of unknowns here. It's been speculated that it's concussion, but we are so far away from knowing anything concrete about this that is way too premature to suggest that having a concussion or two is gonna cause any type of long-term brain damage. So the research and the science does not fit with the media reporting. The research we have so far is very, very, very early stage. 
right? Let's think about this. Recently, there was a study by Grant Iverson where he found CTE in eight people that have never played contact sports in their life, never had a concussion in their life, but yet they had the same pathological findings as CTE in their brain. So how can we say that this is caused by concussions when we're finding it in people with no concussions? Misconception number 10. After a couple years of symptoms, recovery is not possible. No, this is absolutely false. Concussion recovery is harder the longer it drags on, but it is definitely not impossible. In my experience in dealing with patients, it really comes down to how bad do you want to get better? A lot of people will say they wanna get better, but not many people are willing to actually put in the work and put in the effort to actually get better. If you really wanna get better, you're gonna put in the work, you're gonna put in the effort, you're not gonna cheat and you're gonna push. If you are kind of, you know, yeah, I wanna get better, but you don't, you're not gonna get better because you're not doing the work you need to do to get better. And that's just the reality of the situation. So the patients I have that do get better are the ones that are there. They never miss their appointments, they're on time, they, they, they do their exercise, religiously they don't cheat on their diet they do all their work they up their exercises they push themselves beyond where their comfort limits are and guess what those are the patients that I discharge I have other patients that will make excuses the entire time I'm seeing them those patients they don't do so well because they give up because it gets hard right concussion recovery is not an easy thing anyone who's going through it right now can attest to that but I promise you this if you put the time in, you put the work in, you don't cheat, you push yourself, you're not afraid of symptoms, you will get better. But you have to do that work. It all comes down to how badly you want it. That's it for me. Those are the 10 most common misconceptions of concussions. If you have questions that you'd like me to answer, uh, you can send an email into info at complete concussions. Uh, sometimes we get people that say, how do I ask a question? So you can DM them to us on Instagram. You can send them in on Facebook. You can email them to us at info at complete concussions. And uh, we can do an episode dedicated to those questions. See you guys. Whoa, wait, 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 wait. Just one more thing before you go. This episode is brought to you by the Complete Concussion Management Clinical Network. Are you suffering from concussion symptoms that just aren't getting better? Maybe you're in the wrong place. Maybe you're seeing the wrong healthcare professional. Visit completeconcussion.com slash find-a-clinic to find all the local professionally trained concussion rehab individuals in your area. Each of our partnered clinics have gone through extensive training on concussion assessment, management, diagnosis, treatment, and rehabilitation. Uh, they're gonna work with you to try and find the root cause of your symptoms and then develop a treatment plan and approach to help get rid of them. If you don't know what's driving the symptoms, you can't ever help or hope to fix them. Completeconcussions.com slash find a clinic. They have a 98% patient satisfaction rating and have a higher net promoter score than Amazon, Apple, and Netflix. Completeconcussions.com slash find a clinic. You will not regret it. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? 
Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.